Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in the house. Good afternoon to everyone out there, and thank you for listening. And I do have an attitude of gratitude for all the great listeners, and especially to Luck of Gold over at Rumble, who informed me that uh, the original podcast, 480 Melatonin and Eye Health, was without audio. And he is absolutely right. For some reason, the audio did not transfer from the original podcast. So I'm going to try and recreate some of that uh, information as much as possible. Okay, so we want to continue on from where we left off the prior one, which we talked about melatonin and sleep and all its other uh, uses. And I want to send a nice shout out there to Teresa, who's been a loyal listener and to our friend Missy, and to uh, Bob, whose wife just had uh, some surgery on her heart, and uh, to all our friends uh, that are listening and uh, have some problems, we do think of you and pray for you. Well, let's get on melatonin. We want to talk today about melatonin in your eye. That was the we had talked about all the other uses for melatonin, but. Melatonin now has uh, been touted for uh, helping uh, our vision, especially as we get older. You know, the leading cause of blindness in the United States now is glaucoma affecting 70 million people. And uh, glaucoma, like macular degeneration, is really uh, can be described as a neurodegenerative disease because that retin, that optic nerve is an extension of our brain. And glaucoma affects the retinal ganglion cells and our vision and our rhythms and our sleep. And uh, people with uh, macular degeneration and neurodegeneration of the eye experience mental symptoms of hallucinations. The, the CBS, the Charles Barnett, Barnett Syndrome. Not unusual. So what do we know about melatonin? Well, the study in a journal of pineal research, they investigated the effects of melatonin with glaucoma. And here's what uh, Marcola reports. Subjects took melatonin at 1030 at night for 90 days or three months. 
and they had some benefits. They had increased ability of their rhythms, okay, like morning and night. And they had an improved phase alignment and alignment with intraocular pressure. That means the pressure in your eye. They had decreased intraocular pressure. They had improved function of the ganglion, the nerve cells in the retina. They had improvements in their sleep and mood, especially those with advanced glaucoma who you know, could be almost blind. So here's what the, what the article said, quote, being a principal chemical for sensing environmental light signaling and synchronizing peripheral clocks, melatonin serves both input and output of the circadian system. Melatonin is regarded as a promising substance to ameliorate complex glaucoma-associated conditions of compromised well-being. That means melatonin can help if you have glaucoma and other conditions associated with decreased vision. And as a benefit, you will get restorative sleep and get your help with your normal rhythm, staying awake at, during the daytime, sleeping at nighttime. But, you know, we talked about this. Only 5% of, the, of uh, melatonin is in your pineal gland. The other 95% is produced inside the mitochondria. That's why we'll close out a little bit with an introduction about mitochondria. But in order for that to happen, you have to get proper sun exposure because proper sun exposure is intricately involved in melatonin production. And melatonin receptors, those are these cells that are sensitive to melatonin, they're in several areas of the eye, including the retina, including the lens and the cornea. So you would think if you have receptors for them, they may be the target for melatonin. And just think if it could help regulate eye pressure with all the other drops and expensive uh, remedies. I'm not saying you do away with them, but you know, you, you, melatonin should be, in my opinion, part of the the, the drugs and, and supplements used to treat glaucoma. Especially since it's such a prevalent disease and a silent thief of our vision. So there are, there are people working with melatonin and intraocular pressure and hypertensive eyes. And they're all showing some sort of positive effect. Some people even talk about the effect of melatonin on intraocular pressure has been known for, since 1988, they say. It was first, it was discovered then at Oregon Health Sciences University. So we have to start thinking now of melatonin for help with our vision. And who knows, there are studies going on now to how it affects cataracts. Of course, cataracts are caused by a lot of oxidation, like rust. And research is suggesting that melatonin counteracts that. Well, there's very little downside to melatonin. 
and as as I mentioned earlier, macular degeneration. You know that affects the retina, and can lead to severe vision loss. And it's been shown melatonin has some positive influence in that area. This mitochondrial component of uh, melatonin's effect that was really important because uh, AMD or acute macular degeneration affects the mitochondria on the retina and uh, melatonin may keep those mitochondria active. Whereas mitochondria can get oxidative damage, can get rusted up, and that's where they are the engines of uh, the cell. They're, they're the organs, organelles, really, little things inside the cell that, that supply our energy. And study after study have noted that melatonin effect on the mitochondria results in a reduction of this oxidative stress or inflammation. So that's really important. So I wanted that to bring that to your attention. Anytime we can decrease inflammation, no matter where it is, we are healthier. So how do you optimize melatonin? We'll have to go over that again. And, and really important is to aim for at least 15 minutes of sunlight in the morning hours. That helps regulate the melatonin that you get at nighttime. Avoid artificial lighting at night. That blue light we talked about from electronic screens, wear your blue, block, blue light blocking glasses. Watch out for those LED lights. Incandescent bulbs are still king. And try and sleep in a bedroom that is pitch black. And if you can't get it that way, consider wearing a sleep mask. And maybe before bed, you can consider some stretching exercises or some meditation. Because we don't have a, we want to try and decrease stress in our lives, huh? Because that is an aging process with too much cortisol. So we don't want to do a lot of work at night. We don't want to be talking on the phone, making plans for tomorrow, scheduling dinner dates, scheduling anything. We want to calm down at night. And we want not to be afraid of taking melatonin. We went through all its effects, sex, parathyroid, cardioprotective, healthy cholesterol levels. It can help with jet lag, et cetera. We talked all about this. And we talked about avoiding Tylenol, abuse of alcohol and drugs, tobacco, sugar, aspirin, not becoming B12 deficient, all 
symptoms of low melatonin. And we talked about melatonin and Parkinson's disease. And we don't want to let the mainstream scare us with misinformation about melatonin. If you remember, I talked about melatonin protecting against, against ionizing radiation. In fact, if you remember, I said that one CAT scan exposes you, exposes you to the same amount of ionizing radiation as 70 chest x-rays. But during, during studies, they found that 300 milligrams of melatonin will protect you against that radiation. 300 milligrams. And if you have a CAT scan and a PET scan together, you're going to double that radiation. So it was recommended that uh, the 300 milligrams of melatonin be taken one or two hours before you're exposed to a lot of x-ray. Okay, so just think of that dosage. And But the pharmaceutical companies will... Use that uh, fear, fear mongering. They did it all through COVID. They use fear to lock down everybody. They've been doing that because they can't make any money from melatonin. And they'll talk about over-the-counter sleep aids. Uh, questioning if you need them or not, they'll bring in specialists, uh, even if they're uh, non, not not qualified in that area area to to downplay and tell you that they can do more harm than good. They'll call it a vampire hormone. Really, a vampire hormone? That's childlessness. They'll come up with articles on reasons not to use it. In fact, we've been using melatonin in clinical practice for at least 30 years. And does not require FDA approval because it is not a drug. But even drugs that get FDA approval can kill us, right? And you can, you'll see articles from researchers bought and paid for. You'll see studies like a new investigation of this or that. But I just told you, Dr. Schellenberger has used 300 milligrams. And it does not to need this, this supplement does not need regulation, in my opinion. And it must be really pretty good because the AMA and CNN attack it, right? That's got to be a sign of uh, that it works. So don't be afraid of it. If you you want to know some uh, natural ways of getting melatonin, well, you know, you can, it's found in common foods. Tart cherries, walnuts, corn, rice, peanuts, barley, 
oats, asparagus, tomatoes, both black and green tea, broccoli, pomegranates have melatonin, strawberries, Brussels sprouts. Just be careful of strawberries, right? The most uh, contaminated fruit you can eat. Lots of pesticides on strawberries. Black olives and green olives and cucumbers, red grapes and mushrooms. Can you get too much of it? I haven't seen it in my lifetime. But if you're always sleep during the day after you've taken a dose of uh, melatonin versus days you don't take it, maybe you, you might have too much. But I haven't seen it. I will say that generally women are more sensitive to melatonin than men. And men, women may require a lower dose than a man does. Just take that into consideration. And maybe uh, would not be a bad idea to start with the one or two milligrams and uh, go up from there. Take it 60 to uh, you know, one or two hours before bedtime. If you want to stay with the lowest dose. It's a wonderful hormone, ladies and gentlemen. It has many functions in your body. And uh, it could be an effective therapy for many. Let me just leave you with one other thing. I just read about melatonin. And, uh, you, you know, uh, I've talked a lot about it this past couple of years. You know, lowering blood pressure, reducing headaches, regrowing hair. We even forgot about that. So guess what comes out of Sweden? From the Karolinska Institute. Published in a respectable journal of child psychology and psychiatry, this study linked melatonin supplements as potentially having a positive effect with depression, even those facing thoughts of self-harm. Now, the key word here is may have, not proven yet. But this study focused on teenagers with a specific link to self-harm which is often a symptom of depression. It all boils down to what multiple studies have found that no matter how old you are, sleep problems could be one of the first signs of depression. But melatonin uh, helps with sleep quality and better sleep. Sleep is crucial for many things, including our mood, our mental and emotional state. Now, as, as I said, may was a critical word, and melatonin is not a cure for depression. But it's a little win. And they did this with three milligrams a day. Three milligrams a day. So talk it over with uh, your healthcare provider. Some take three a day, some take 10 milligrams a day. Some take, I know people taking 50 milligrams a day. Talk it over with your healthcare provider, especially if you have any of these problems and maybe are, are, are fighting some depression. Well, 
So melatonin, I just cannot tell you how many studies I have in my library uh, on the use for melatonin. I think we covered all of them and then we added the eye today and hopefully the audio today. Wonderful hormone, ladies and gentlemen. So melatonin, you heard me say earlier, affects mitochondria. Mitochondria are these specialized structures that are in every cell of our body, except the red blood cells. They're the powerhouses. They're the batteries. They're the energy producers. They are responsible for cellular energy. And they're an important role in our health. Because you know how many people get tired and fatigued? It's because they're running out of mitochondrial energy. And mitochondria and melatonin is a powerful antioxidant. So it can fight those stresses that cause oxidation and, and disease in the mitochondria. So if we can reduce or help reduce mitochondrial dysfunction and improve it, we're going to have more energy. We'll have more what's called ATP. We'll have a better mitochondrial function. The mitochondria will just work better. So melatonin, that's why these two subjects blend together. Because melatonin and mitochondria work together. Because the melatonin keeps this inflammation down, this cellular damage down. So there's another reason uh, to use melatonin, because it can help the mitochondria. So these mitochondria, these, these energy cells, you know, when you have the flu, mitochondria switch over from make, making energy to over to the immune system and immune support to control any infection, whether it's bacterial or viral. What happens when that to us? Well, we get tired. And just think, if you're stuck in a state of chronic infection or chronic illness, of which people over 65 have, I don't know, it's like 70% or have some kind of chronic illnesses. You're chronically fatigued for, for the reason that your mitochondria are not working so well. Their energy production is decreased. They shifted their focus toward immune, immune support, not energy. So typically, if you have a cold or flu and you feel fatigued, you want to rest, or your body's under the threat of infection, the mitochondria are shifting their energy production over to their immune role so you can handle this infection. So don't fight it. But we have to support our mitochondria, especially as you're starting to heal from a flu or a cold or a chronic illness. 
mitochondrial health. We have to, maybe it's my fault too that I have not talked enough about mitochondrial health. So we have to reduce the burden. We have to reduce that virus. So our mitochondria can go back into making energy. So our aim will be when we get sick or not feeling well, to bring toxins down to a, uh, and a, the, the, the load down so our mitochondria don't have to fight them so much. That means, as I've told you in the past, lowering our EMF exposure. EMF is inflammatory. EMF will slow up your mitochondria and by definition, your energy. Really important. We have to clean up our diet. We'll get a little bit into that before we quit today. So we want our mitochondria to be able to ward off toxins and pathogens. But we have to keep them healthy also. So we have to keep their the mitochondria health at a higher level. And as always, we need a diet that's that is not inflammatory. So we have to avoid inflammatory foods. The number one on the list is refined sugar and carbs, poor quality fats, artificial ingredients, all the artificial sugars. We have to eat nutrient rich greens, vegetables, fruits, herbs, fruits in multiple colors. Remember, we want to eat the rainbow. Therefore, we're, we're having food that has lots of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. If possible, I know it's getting expensive, but if we could have healthy fats such as grass-fed butter, virgin coconut oil, avocados, medium-chain triglyceride oils, also called MCTs, and if we can go for organic pasture-raised eggs, we'll have less inflammation, less stress on our mitochondria so they can do their job of protecting us. So we want to try and have a nutrient nutrition strategy of improving our diet, which will then improve our mitochondrial function, lowering inflammation, lowering damage. You get the idea? And, you know, they... A lot of people do talk about a ketogenic diet. Try it. See if it works for you. Maybe just intermittent, intermittent fasting, which, which means not having food for 12 to 16 hours a, a day, eating in a smaller window of time. Because if we don't keep our powerhouses, our mitochondria healthy, we're going to be tired all the time. And they won't be able to do their job of taking in nutrients, breaking them down, and getting rid of them. That's why we have to keep the membrane of the mitochondria porous and not have junk fats that can put like a cellophane coating around the cell membrane of the mitochondria and the cell. And that's where uh, the peskin comes in, the parent essential oils not the fish oils, parent essential oils, the building blocks so your body can make its own 
omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. And they're not overdosed by the ones you buy in the, in the vitamin store, which have thousands of times more than, uh, than your body needs. And remember, like Peskin says, fish oils are antifreeze for deep water fish. Not at 72 degrees, not at 80 degrees, where they become rancid. And the healthier our mitochondria are, the, the less risk we have of chronic diseases. These little mitochondria. And don't forget exercise, please, because it's good for your mitochondria. It can slow our aging process. And movement is good. Get your meat off the seat, huh? So regular exercise can improve mitochondrial function. It can help them to stay healthy so they can repair themselves. And typically you'll know you have a mitochondrial problem if you're experiencing fatigue. See, we want to reduce our stress. We want to eat good. We want to exercise. We want to, we want to use our melatonin so we get a good night's sleep and our brains have a, tent, a chance to detoxify using that glymphatic system we talked about and emptying out into our lymph system. But with persistent stress, we can't do that. And if we don't get quality sleep every night, guess what? Our mitochondrial function, our mitochondrial DNA is in danger. I don't know the exact Time, hours of sleep, but most specialists most are recommending seven to eight hours of sleep per night on a regular basis. So we know that melatonin is probably good for our eyes. There's no reason not to take it for a glaucoma or if you have macular degeneration. And it's good for our, remember, it's good for our brains and all the other benefits we have talked about. And for many patients, along with helping our mitochondria, it could be a game changer just to avoid fluoride toothpaste, tap water, filter your water, high fructose corn syrup. You have to really look at it, look, in the, look on your labels for that. That is also kills your liver. fast food, soy. These coffee creamers have a lot of junk in them. Statin drugs, cigarettes, aluminum cooking utensils, and environmental toxins in general. All the shampoos and detergents and face products that have all these uh, petroleum and products in them. So we have, if we can leave, live cleaner, we'll have better mitochondria we have better mitochondria, we're going to have more energy, and we're going to feel better. And if we feel better, we're more likely to take care of ourselves. So thank you for Luck of Gold for notifying me about no audio on the, the prior uh, podcast of Melatonin and Eye Health. I hope this one clears that up. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. And uh, 
We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. If it's all about good health, he's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. So if you have a pain, call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week.